Unearthed Memphis, your Memphis history podcast with hosts Alan Compton and Tara Ingram. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Unearthed Memphis. I'm Alan. And I'm Tara. And we hope you enjoyed our last episode on Memphis breweries. And for you beer drinkers out there, we hope you've gotten some patio time in recently. It's been perfect out. So take advantage. Yes, because I have a feeling it won't be like this for long. Um, I do have a correction to make, though. When I was talking about the Hampline Brewery, I said the head brewer's name was West. But it is actually West. And that is what is written in the notes, plain as day, but I still said West. He is a man, after all, not a direction. No, he is not. You are right. I am very sorry, Wes. Sometimes my brain works faster than my mouth and craziness comes out. And yeah, that happens all the time it anyway. Does. It does. I just have to remember that it's just like the guy from one of my favorite Netflix episodes. Uh, nailed it. Wes. 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 <laughs> I love that show so much, and I still plan on auditioning for it sometime because I believe I would for sure win. I think you would. I think I would. I'll get back to baking sometime in the near future and post some of my beauties that I make, and then <laughs> they you'll are know. glorious. They are glorious. So back to enjoying the outside lately. We did recently do bingo in Overton Square. Uh, Kevin Cerrito, you know the trivia guy. Uh, well, if you don't know, he's, he's our trivia guy. He is. Um, mm-hmm. He does it there on Thursday nights. And it ended up being way more fun than we thought it would be. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, it's bingo. It's bingo. So, you know, you don't know, you don't really know what to expect, honestly. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> but. But it could have been that Tara won Yay. the first prize of the night, which was an Over- Overton Square pint glass, Woo. which we've kind of wanted anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So high five me. Mm. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And I now see the allure of bingo halls. No, you don't. Yeah. Okay, fine. Well, it no. may be a new Thursday night hobby. Bingo halls, totally different thing. That's very true. Yes. <laughs> we also did just do our first trivia night in over a year. And uh, that was Schitt's Creek Trivia at Crosstown Brewery. And true to our nature, unless it's office trivia because mm-hmm. we're office geniuses. That's right. Uh, we came in second. Uh, well, technically tied for third or fourth. Fourth? Um, I think we were th- we were fourth out of second place, but there were three first place. So yeah. somewhere between fourth and seventh. Three people tied and three people under them tied. <laughs> You're right. So whatever you call that, we call it second. That's right. Uh, so we came in second. And our name should have won anyway. It um, should have. And it came in second as well. Um, Herb Ertlinger's Liquid Stink is a way better name than Blouse Barn Bargain Hunters. Sorry, guys. No offense, but ours was better. It was. And uh, we believed what had happened was... Exactly what happened on the Halloween episode of The Office because everything's related to <laughs> everything's the, office the office in our life. Uh, when everyone voted for Oscar because he didn't, they didn't want to vote for the actual best costume, and so they could try to win, you know. Yep. And he yep. won with Rational Consumer. I and, was, yeah. yeah, I think that's uh, that we were correct in our presumption of what was really going on. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Well, these last couple of weeks have made me extremely excited to get back out to our social outings, mm-hmm. and even something as simple as bingo and trivia make me really happy. And I'm glad our city has fun, interactive things to get out and do. And so I think we're going to try to incorporate some fun upcoming happenings around the city so our friends may get inspired to go out and do something fun. For example, June 4th. uh, That won't matter if you're listening to this after June 4th. But, you know, hey. You should be listening right now. You should be listening right when this (laughs) airs. 
Um, Elmwood, our favorite cemetery, because that's a thing in our world. We have a favorite cemetery. That's right. That's uh, right. Is back with Cemetery Cinema. This time they're showing the last picture show. And tickets are still available right now if you're listening before June 4th. That's right. Uh, we'll be there and it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, bring a lawn chair and food and drinks or purchase some of the food from the food truck on site. And sit back and enjoy a movie while sitting under the stars in a cemetery. Yep. With an occasional bat or two flying overhead. A couple. Yeah. Yep. The yep. bats, you know, fitting for the venue. Yep. And I love it because bats are my favorite. Uh, they are. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> mm. All right. Well, enough with that. On to this show. So today we're going to cover a topic that hits really close to home for us. And by that, we mean that it literally helps us to pay for the home we live in. Yep. We are, of course, talking about a place of employment. And thankfully, we are both gainfully employed by fantastic, privately owned local companies that have rather long histories. And both companies are actually hitting huge milestones this year and the next. Yeah. Uh, Memphis Dermatology, where TerraWorks, will hit 50 years this next year. And that's an amazing achievement for any privately owned business. I think so. I'm sure you'll hear us talk more about them in the future. Tara's been with them for 13 years now, so it's a regular topic in our conversations anyway by nature. It so. is, it is. It's generally a lot of sunscreen conversations. Right, lots of sunscreen. Yes. <laughs> Wear it. Alan's place of employment for the last 16 years is Amro Music Store, and it hit a gigantic milestone this past month. And that's the topic of our conversation in this yes, episode. My tenure at Amro Music is the topic <laughs> of our episode. No, no, it is not. Um, Amro, as of April 10th of this year, has been opened, owned, and operated by the same family for 100 years. Yep. And that is an amazing accomplishment. And also, we uh, we found out just this weekend that there's another um, place that has been open for 100 years. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Uh, Theater Memphis. Theater Memphis hit 100 years this year. And until I saw one of my good friend's posts on Facebook, I did not realize it, actually. No, we did not. So high five, Theater Memphis. And maybe look for a little bit of that along with some other local theater in a future episode. Yeah, because we like the theater. We do. We're super excited about what's coming in the near future for theater. Yay, theater. Anyway. We went to Amro's 100-year celebration a few weekends back, and it was a lot of fun. It's uh, amazing to me when companies are able to withstand the test of time, because that means somebody's doing something right. And one of the reasons we try to mostly buy local is because most local companies give back to their communities, and Amro is no exception. Uh, From what I know, as a previous band kid myself, and what I've heard from other band parents and children, because I know some of those, Mm -hmm. if you want to be taken care of, you go to AMRO. They are a pillar in the Mid-South music community. AMRO Music is the largest band, orchestra, and piano retailer in the Mid-South, and they're actually one of the largest in the nation as well. Uh, They began renting musical instruments for student use more than 50 years ago, and they now supply a large majority of the band and orchestra instruments found in the school programs in the Mid-South. AMRO is widely respected for its long history of service to music education, the high quality of its employees, its involvement in and assistance to the local music community, and its long-term stability as a business. AMRO is also one of the most prominent piano retailers in the Mid-South, providing pianos and organs for both rental and purchase, with a highly qualified team of experts to help people find the perfect instrument for their home or institution. Amro has also been a Steinway & Sons piano dealer since 1964, and being a Steinway dealer is a big deal. Not everybody gets to uh, represent Steinway pianos. 
They're only they're the only concert piano manufacturer whose products are still handmade in the U.S. too. That's really cool. Yeah. And uh, didn't Steinway make you a fancy hundred year celebratory piano for y'all to have in your showroom? They did. It'll be on on display for the next something like sixty days, I think. That's really now. cool. Yeah. So um, th- it was, had a it had a bunch of pictures from the past on it from Amherst history. Nice. Yeah. Well, I think that means they like you an awful yeah, lot. They, they like us a bit. Yeah. They do. We sell a lot of their pianos. It's true. <laughs> so how does a company that serves so many communities take care of all of those customers? Well, AMRO has eight educational representatives, many of whom have formal music education training and years of teaching experience, and they regularly visit most of the schools in the Mid-South. They provide support for the band and orchestra's programs within their respective territories, provide advice, product support, and basically anything else to make sure the students and directors have everything they need to succeed in their instrumental music learning and teaching efforts. And they're amazing resources for both new and seasoned music educators. Mm -hmm. Additionally, an in-store team of band and orchestra experts known as director services. This is what I do at Emro. Yep. They act as music educator call center to provide support for school music educators as well as the AMRO educational representatives. So the educational reps can spend more time out in the field actively helping the school music programs and not have to deal with the smaller details, which are way more difficult to deal with from the back of a vehicle. Right. And I know being a teacher can be stressful, so I imagine band directors and other music educators are probably extremely thankful to have someone in their corner that's just a phone call away and knowledgeable of their needs. Yeah. And that... Also reminds me of that scene in The Office. Because everything does. Because everything does. Where Jim and Dwight are on a sales call. And Dwight calls the big box store. And it just rings and rings and rings. And then Jim calls Dunder Mifflin. And Kelly answers immediately and cheerfully. <laughs> yep, that's what happens when you when they call you, right? Yeah, ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like the Kelly Kapoor of AMRO. Ish. But a little less Kinda. bubbly. A little bit. A little <laughs> less bubbly. So how many schools would you say AMRO deals with on a regular basis? All in all, I'm not sure exactly how many schools uh, on a regular basis, but it's not easy. It's not an easy number to keep track of, but it's a large number of uh, school programs, somewhere around 600. Wow, so. that's a lot. Yeah, it is. Um, our educational representatives cover a territory that reaches seven states. We cater to programs in Tennessee, Mississippi, um, Arkansas, Kentucky, Missouri, Illinois, and Alabama. And so Amra has a pretty long reach outside of Shelby County. Wow, yeah. Uh, so that means Amber's pretty awesome. <laughs> and uh, they also have a huge impact on this region's music community in the last century. And since this is a history podcast, uh, we're going to keep to form and we're going to talk about some history. Yeah. And before we get into the history, though, we have to acknowledge the wonderful Averwater family who own Amra Music, and in particular, C.J. Averwater, the president of Amra Music, for allowing us to use historical archive recordings of the company's founder, Mill Averwater, and the rest of the Averwaters, telling the story of Amro's beginnings. Amro has had an amazing history anyway, but being able to share it with all of you straight from the mouth of the founder and his successors is a really special thing. So thank you very much to the Averwater family for allowing us to use these wonderful recordings. Yes, thank you so much. This is it's really cool because we've not ever done this before. Oh, not so. a, nobody else has ever spoken on our podcast besides yeah. our cat. So exactly, which you'll probably hear during this yeah. episode. So Amro Music's story begins when Mill Averwater and his business partner Frank Mormon were on a temporary layover in Memphis on their way to Los Angeles. And here's Mill Averwater telling us about how Amro landed in Memphis. 
I went to work when I was about 16 years old for the Procter & Gamble Company in the engineering department. Of course, I had taken classical music for about seven years. So the teacher was also connected with the Cincinnati Conservatory. And I just quit taking those lessons and I took one of the short courses in popular music from Leffingwell School down in the heart of Cincinnati. After studying down there and teaching down there, they made a teacher out of me. I worked with those about six or seven months and I decided to start my own business. I thought I was capable enough to do it. Well, there was a number of studios in Cincinnati. So we went to Louisville and tried to find a place in Louisville. We couldn't find a decent location. So we decided then we were going to go on to California. I had a partner by the name of Frank Mormon. We were on the train, we hit Memphis. I said, well, this looks like a good-sized town, and Frank Mormon got cold feet anyway, and he didn't want to go any further because he wanted to be closer to home, see? So we decided to stop over here. We spent a few days and found a location. Decided we'd try it out here. That's how we came to Memphis. Amro opened its first studio on the second floor of 166 South Main Street in downtown Memphis. And that's right where Main Street becomes the walking and trolley only section, you right. know, right up from the Orpheum. Mm -hmm. uh, the music lesson business was slow early on, and in order to drum up business, music pun intended, yay, uh, <laughs> they would throw open the windows of their second floor studio and play to attract passersby. And when they were coaxed upstairs by the musical sounds, Mill would offer them a 30-lesson le package. Uh, after a while, as enrollment in the studio increased, other teachers were added to the faculty to teach lessons on different instruments such as banjo, guitar, and saxophone. And in the 1920s, jazz became a very popular genre of music, and it was the most popular with the younger generations at the time. In order to latch on to that popularity, Mill Averwater wrote a jazz piano method in 1923 called The Amro System of Popular Jazz, and the book was used by many pianists to learn jazz techniques. And let me just take a moment to say how cool it would be to have lived during a time when jazz was becoming popular. No kidding. Yeah. That would be so amazing. And uh, don't get me wrong, it was not an easy time for people, uh, but I would be all about pulling out my flapper dress and heading to a speakeasy to listen to jazz all night. She would totally do that. Yeah. I, I, I may have done that. Before. You probably have done I that. I probably yes. have. <laughs> Well, the Great Depression was a hard time for everybody in the United States, but Mill took a different approach to perpetuating his business, resorting to bartering in lieu of monetary payment. And here's Mill's son and second-generation owner, Bob, to tell us about that time. Back during the Depression, uh, he kept things going, uh, in some cases, by accepting eggs or whatever vegetables from his students. Some of them paid him in produce, so to speak. When the war started, musical instruments were not readily available. So he, he advertised and bought as many instruments as he could. Uh, and uh, those were refurbished and uh, put back to good use. This is when things really began to grow after the war. Schools uh, came back and wanted to reorganize their bands, and this is what we did. We started bands or reorganized old bands that had folded up during the war. 
So at this point, AMRO was fully in the business of instrument sales. It was at first just an accommodation for students, but quickly became the financial mainstay of the business. As the popularity of school bands grew, the need arose for more instruments in students' hands, which led to AMRO to introduce their first instrument trial rental program. Mill and his crew began beating the pavement, or gravel back then, technically, (laughs) uh, visiting schools in the surrounding states to muster in rental business from the areas. They would even stay some nights in the director's houses. And here's Mill's grandson, Pat, a third-generation owner and the current chairman of Amro Music, sharing some background and talking about the appearance of a new type of competition for the company. So I remember as a young boy riding to Amro with my dad in his car, and we were parking in the back alley back there at 71 Union, and uh, there was three parking places, one for my dad and the other one was for Vernon Drain, and then um, the third spot was for our piano truck to back up to the back door. And you go in the old big heavy metal doors, and uh, you know, you step into the building, and it, it had the old wooden creaky floors, and and uh, you know, no insulation between the floors. The repair shop was was down below us, so as you, you know, every footstep could be heard throughout the whole building, and you know, it was just this long store that just took up the entire city block right there, and. Um, you know, back in those days, uh, you didn't have computer systems. You didn't have point-of-sale software. In fact, our inventory was taken on um, the little index cards where each card was a serial number of an instrument. And when somebody rented that instrument, you, you know, you wrote their name at the bottom of the list. And as they returned the instrument, you crossed their name out and waited for the next person. 71 Union, there's, you know, any parking was done on the city streets. It was downtown, and while downtown was very vibrant during, you know, the 30s and 40s and even the 50s that, you know, the suburban shopping malls started coming into play, and so people just weren't driving all the way downtown anymore. Soon after that, the, the toll-free numbers came out, the, you know, the 1-800 numbers and the catalogs that came out, and so now all the national competitors became somewhat local competitors because anybody could pick up the telephone and, you know, and call and get a price on the same product that you're selling. So, you know, that was a new challenge. We'd never experienced anything like that, and it required, you know, new solutions to combat all that. Mill's three children, Bob, Ron, and Joy, all three came to work for the family business, which opened a path to succession once Mill decided to retire. During that time, food and other life essentials, shopping, and even entertainment were becoming more accessible and closer to home for suburban dwellers. The introduction of satellite stores helped to accommodate those customers that weren't traveling to the city center to shop as much any longer, as Memphis continued to grow and strip malls became the norm. In 1960, a new branch was opened at the southwest corner of Poplar and Highland. Shortly thereafter, another branch was opened in Whitehaven. And upon Mill's retirement in 1968, Amra Music was a full-line dealer of musical instruments and gear of almost every type. Wind and string instruments, guitars, drum sets, digital pianos, live sound equipment, you name it, Amro had it. The company was incorporated and passed along to the next generation of Averwaters, with Bob Averwater named as the president and Ron Averwater named as the vice president. Uh, With the continual growth that Amro is experiencing, along with the growth of the suburban areas, the need arose for yet another branch in Raleigh. 
1981, the year I was born, <laughs> uh, Amro made one more move when the main downtown branch of Amro Music relocated to its current home at 2918 Poplar Avenue. Yeah. And since that time, the satellite branches have all closed and the company has redefined its focus in recent years with a strong lead towards music education. The company has now been handed off to a fourth generation of Averwaters, and the growth just keeps, well, growing. And here's Nick Averwater, a fourth generation owner and current vice president on AMRO's focus on education. You know, over time, I think AMRO has adapted to the different uh, markets. You know, of course, when the Beatles came on scene, everybody suddenly started selling a lot of uh, electric guitars and doing that. Um, but at our core, I think we have always been in touch with the music educator. I mean, it started with Mill, our founder, who he himself was a music educator, and that has just been central to our focus through the years, continuing to offer those services and products that music educators need, whether it's in their home or in their classroom. And so today we um, benefit from being one of the largest single location retailers in the country. And again, I attribute that primarily to our focus on the needs of the educator, as well as our customer and having a great team here at Amro Music. So now we'll steer away a little bit from the Amro history and look at something that's pretty amazing. Let's look at how a music store can actually survive for 100 years and still be in a position of growth. Um, there are many reasons, of course. The first thing that comes to mind is Amro's focus on education. And we're not only talking about school band and orchestra students, although they're an essential part of the focus. Amro also puts a large amount of effort towards helping music educators, as their mission statement makes clear. Our mission is to spread the joys and benefits that making music provides to the community by providing resources to music educators that allow them to spend more time working with young musicians and less time on busy non-teaching activities. And I'm lucky enough to be an integral part on this effort. My job at AMRO is almost entirely to build and maintain relationships with music educators and to provide a home base of sorts for nearly anything they might need to make their jobs easier. And another reason for AMRO's success and longevity is this. AMRO has consistently been innovative in their response to adversity. Mill's decision a long time ago to accept goods and services in lieu of payment during the Great Depression is a perfect example. In the past year or so, AMRO has once again proved themselves to be industry leaders and innovators during adversity concerning their response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Not only did every department find ways to adapt their approach, offering products to cater to a whole new set of needs like PPE products, instrument bell covers, and musicians' masks, uh, but the company went truly above and beyond to help music educators find some direction during a grim time when many were unsure how or if they would be able to proceed with teaching music during or after the pandemic. And I just have to say that I've been extremely impressed by everything Amro did during the pandemic. Uh, admittedly, I was kind of panicked for you and us uh, when COVID yeah, no hit. Kidding. I was too. <laughs> uh, it was a little scary not knowing how a company that provided products for an industry that did literally the exact opposite of what the CDC said to do. Yeah, because wind instruments tend to blow aerosols it's into the just air. all the spittle. Um, uh, how was that to survive? We had no idea. Uh, but Amro thought outside the box and they made it work. And for that, I am super grateful. As am I. Well, here's CJ Averwater, fourth generation owner and Amro's current president, with a bit on how Amro has pushed through the hard times. Obviously, before my tenure, I, you know, you had the depression, you had high interest rates, that sort of thing. And, and right now, we're kind of living in one of the big challenges with the coronavirus. 
You talk about changing the way we do business overnight. And then, you know, back in March, we had to shut down the retail side and move to a skeleton crew. Um, but like every significant challenge that we've faced, we found opportunities in it. So we've rethought all the processes. We've rethought how and why we do certain things. And because of this, we've found new opportunities that we didn't know were there before. So uh, one of the great things about our history is that whenever we face these challenges, we, we viewed it as an opportunity and we found ways to get past it. But I will say, I think one of the other reasons we've been able to bounce through so many challenges is the foundation that those before us have laid. AMRO assembled the team of music educators to create the considerations for safe return to instrumental music classroom, a step-by-step -step process on how to safely conduct music classes in person. That process has now been used in schools in California, Texas, and Arizona, in addition to the local Tennessee schools. AMRO has also created a podcast called After Hours, Conversations for Music Educators, where music educators have been able to share best practices and tips on how to create successful music programs during COVID and beyond. It actually started as a series of Zoom sessions with an open forum format, and I believe most of the episodes still follow this format. The podcast has been wildly popular in the music education community, and uh, all of the information has been super helpful to programs all over the United States uh, and the world, apparently. Um, all of the episodes can be found on Amro's website. Yeah, everybody starting podcast during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they took our idea. They did, totally no, they, took our they they idea. It was not. like right at the same time, actually. <laughs> They're probably doing way better than <laughs> us, too. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Uh, AMRO's habit of constantly looking for ways to innovate and improve on current practices, combined with their diligent effort in imprinting themselves in the Mid-South communities and the music education industry as a whole, are some of the big reasons that they have lasted this long. And they don't appear to go be going away anytime soon, that's for sure. Good. Thank yeah, no you. Kidding. Please. <laughs> uh, there's another phenomenon found at AMRO that's not found in very many workplaces. Amor has a large amount of employees that have stayed with the company for a very long time. Very long. And when we spoke with CJ Averwater, Amro's current president, and he told us that the average tenure for Amro employees is currently 12.8 years. Ooh. And that's just shy of four times the national average tenure for jobs in the private sector. On June 7th, which is just about two weeks from now, uh, from the time we're recording, I will have been employed at Amro for 16 years. Woohoo! <laughs> And the Everwater family just makes it easy to work there. Um, I've always been treated fairly and have felt acknowledged and valued as an employee. I know that some people say, oh, my job doesn't even feel like work. <laughs> well, I think that's a little hyperbolic. I, I think so. Uh, we, we work hard at Amro, but it's for a greater cause, so it's not so bad. No, uh, no. We're helping people find their path to making music, and I think that's a very honorable cause. I think that those are the reasons that people stick around for years and years at AMRO. I think so, too. And we'd be remiss not to mention some of the past employees and present employees that have been with AMRO for the longest amount of time. Starting with the people who are currently working at AMRO, working our way up from the 15-year mark. And keeping in mind that AMRO only has about 70 employees in total. Right. So, small business. AMRO has six employees with a tenure of between 15 and 20 years. They have 11 employees with a tenure between 21 and 25 years, four who have a tenure between 26 and 30 years, and four that have been with the company for more than 30 years. And of those four, two of those employees have been with AMRO for more than 40 years, which is longer than I have been alive. <laughs> 
So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And both of those lovely gentlemen, Archie Fleming and Cliff Acred, are instrument repair techs now, but both of them have held other positions at AMRA during their tenure. They're both fantastic individuals, and I've always enjoyed working with them. And one past employee that absolutely has to be mentioned is, by far, the employee with the longest tenure. I'm not sure that anybody will ever be able to match it. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> it would take a lot. Right. Um, Vernon Drain, also known as Cowboy, and for whatever reason, I'm not sure, spelled K-O-W-B-O-I. That's that's different. Is that maybe he was an Avril Levine fan? Maybe like Skater Boy. <laughs> uh, he I was just before. He was just before his time. He was. He, he was. He, well, was. He, he was alive when Avril was, was doing her thing. <laughs> uh, he was hired right out of college by Mill Averwater in 1945. He did just about every job, or perhaps literally every job that there was to do at AMRO and finally landed in the band instrument repair shop. Vernon worked for AMRO until his 2013 retirement right before he passed away in, at age 90 in 2014. Wow. If you haven't already done the math, uh, Vernon worked for AMRO Music for 68 years. It's pretty amazing. That is amazing. But that also just goes to show that uh, if you don't quit moving, you know, you're, you're going to live a long time. Yeah, it's true. That's, That's awesome. True. Uh, we were talking a moment about Cliff Acred and Archie Fleming, and I have to mention that these guys are both also truly top-notch musicians as well. Archie's one of the finest saxophonists in Memphis, and Cliff is an outstanding bass guitarist. Cliff was actually Isaac Hayes' bassist for a number of years, and he can be heard playing bass on Isaac Hayes' famous theme song to the movie Shaft. Shut your mouth. <laughs> I'm just talking about Shaft. <laughs> Uh, thank you for that. Yes, um, yes. Mm-hmm. Actually, several of our employees have played with some big-name musical acts. All right, so just to name a few, one of the brass repair technicians, Hubert Crawford, or he's affectionately known as H-Bomb. Uh, because of the amount of sound that he's able to produce from hitting his snare drum. Real Must be real loud. It's loud. Uh, he's played with James Brown, the Barkays, Mark Farner, and Eric Gales. And Art Emiston, one of the woodwind repair techs, has played with Greg Allman and the Doobie Brothers, yeah. among many others. Many others. And one of the purchasers, Brian Stewart, is a fantastic rockabilly guitarist, and he plays with the uh, pianist Jason D. Williams. Yeah. Amro has seen quite a large number of famous customers in its 100 years, too. There's a poster on the wall of the second floor of the store that lists all the names. Well, it's not all the names. It's just the ones that we could think up, honestly, right. <laughs> uh, of Amro's famous customers. It can also be found on Amro's website. And here are some of the names of the bigger uh, bigger musical acts on that list. Uh, Johnny Cash, of course, because mm-hmm. he was around here. Yep, B.B. Yep. King, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roy Orbison. Uh, Sam the Sham Zamudio. <laughs> All right, I you have Willy Bully fans. Right, I have a small story about that. Uh, I don't know if it's true, but I want to believe that my friend Brian was not lying. Um, that his grandma was either Hattie or Maddie, one of the two. <laughs> that, as in Maddie told Hattie. Right, right. They learned about the Willy Bully, mm-hmm. something like did. that. Something like that. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna think that it's true. So high five to Hattie and or Maddie. <laughs> Brian's um, grandma. <laughs> Uh, continuing the list, Paul Simon, which is one of my all-time favorites. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Billy Joel, Carol King, Ben Folds, who Woo-hoo. we love dearly, uh, Willie Nelson, Elton John, and then local local legend and all-around amazing guy, Kirk Whalem. Yay! And just so many more. I mean, the, the list is huge, and that's not everybody, I'm right. sure. Right. Go to the website. There's just so many names. Yeah. So many names. And some pictures, too. There are. John yes. Mayer buying a saxophone. <laughs> 
Oddly That's enough. right. That's true. I was there when that happened, saw that happen. <laughs> and one of the biggest names on the list, or at least biggest for Memphis, and there's a receipt to prove it. In March of 1967, Elvis Presley bought a Gibson SG guitar, a used Epiphone amp, two guitar chord books, and a guitar chord chart. Not really sure why he did that, but, you know, hey. Brushing up on his chords. That's right. That's right. Can't fault the man for learning. Nope, nope. And uh, he borrowed Amaro Steinway Concert Grand Piano to record several Live at Graceland albums. So, yay. Elvis buying some stuff. (laughs) And so many lives have been touched by Amaro in the best way possible. Local saxophone legend Lanny McMillan and our former neighbor here in Valentine Evergreen. Yep, yep. uh, Until about about a year ago, I guess. um, Had to say this about Amaro. Can you imagine all the great musicians Amro has helped start? It's impossible to imagine what Memphis music would be without Amro Music's influence. I'm lucky and thankful to have had such a wonderful and influential place to work each day. Uh, like we said earlier, there are many reasons that Amro has thrived through its 100-year business. Um, I, I hope there will be at least 100 more. Me too. And what a legacy. Um, I'm actually always boastful when I tell people my fellow works at Amro. But in all seriousness, it is a wonderful company that continues to thrive even during the most challenging of times. And it's obvious that music is central and imperative to living your best life. I mean, just look at all the musical creativity that has come out of the last 18 months while people have been at home. Uh, We need music and it's proven that it makes you smarter. It does. It's part of Amro's slogan. (laughs) Exactly. And Amro has been there and will continue to be there for people, communities, band programs, and everything in between to help them achieve their musical goals. So if you're in need of musical things, Amro is a great place to look. And if they don't have it, they'll surely be able to point you in the right direction. And that is the story of Amro music, Yeah, which is a pretty cool story. Um, Hopefully nobody thought this was an ad for the music store, but we just wanted to to put out there, you know, music is such a huge thing in Memphis and yeah. Amro has definitely been an integral part of it. And it's a hundred years old. It's and a it's a hundred years of old. History. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things in Memphis that have not survived a hundred years. That's true. It reminds me of that Eddie Azard bit where he talks about history and in the U.S. we just tear everything down. <laughs> he's like, oh, we've, it's... We've refurbished this to look like it did more than 50 years ago. No, nobody was alive back then. So, see, yeah, kudos to Amro and any business that can last more than 50 years right. or upwards of 100. Yeah. Anyway, so high five, Amro, and uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed today's story. And as always, don't forget to listen to our next episode on your favorite podcast listening app. Also, if you get a chance, uh, we'd love for you to like and subscribe. Uh, leave us a review, please. Yes. It helps a lot. Yeah. Um, share us on social media. Oh, definitely uh, do that. Yeah. It, it, it gets our the word out to other folks, and then people like us. Yes, we like people to like us. We do. We need people to like us. No, we do. Kidding. We don't, but no, but we do. But we do. We, <laughs> we, we enjoy do. it. It yeah. feeds our ego. <laughs> <laughs> and check out our website at unearthmemphis.com, Instagram at unearthmemphis, uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash unearth901, Twitter at unearth901, or drop us an email at unearthmemphis at gmail.com. We love to hear from everybody. Questions, comments, suggestions, 
Corrections or just chatter is appreciated and enjoyed. It is. And of course, our disclaimer, we are not historians. We are simply two people who are interested in Memphis history. We have done research and we're trying to provide accurate history as best we can. There is a possibility some of these statements are incorrect, but we have tried to verify all the info that we are not putting out any untrue info. And to the best of our knowledge, what we are saying is correct. But let us know if you have things to add or correct. In the show notes, you'll find links to the articles we used and book titles, etc. to gather our information. Yay. All right. Thanks again for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Unearthed Memphis is written, produced, and engineered by Alan Compton and Tara Ingram. The music was written, performed, and recorded by Donnie Wayne Smith and Alan Compton. 